All right, let's take our Bibles this evening and let's go to Galatians, okay? Studying the book of Galatians on Wednesday evenings and we'll be in Galatians chapter 5, all right? Galatians chapter 5 this evening and as we come to this book again, let me remind you of the overall context of this book, okay? You probably can quote it by now to me, but uh, I hope you can at least, but if you can't, let me remind you one more time, all right? Remember, Paul, as he's writing this letter to the Galatians, he's addressing the churches in this area, in this region of Galatia. Uh, but he's addressing them or writing to them but for this main reason. False teachers called Judaizers. Oh, yeah, you guys know. False teachers called Judaizers have begun to creep into this area and into these churches. And these Judaizers have begun to teach what Paul has called another gospel in Galatians 1 in verse number 6. But this another gospel is nothing but a false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Christ. A false gospel of adding rituals and rules in order to be saved. So in teaching another gospel, in teaching a false gospel, these Judaizers were perverting the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1 and verse 7. And in turn, in doing so, they were causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of these dear believers in these churches in Galatia. Uh, they were causing great division, no doubt, in these churches. And so Paul had heard what was going on and he had enough. So it sits down with pen in hand, very lovingly, yet very sternly. He declares to them and defends to them the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He defends that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus and not by works. Because he says once again, For by the works of a law shall no flesh be justified. Galatians 2 and verse 16. So that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's letting them know what, what, where real true salvation lies. And it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So never forget it. Never forget that salvation is God's free gift to us given by grace, accepted by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope this book of the Bible can solidify that, make that concrete in your heart so no other false teacher could steal that away from you, all right? So to teach you any other, another gospel or any other false, false gospel, okay? So let this book, the book of Galatians, solidify the truth of salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. All right, so let's get back to it in Galatians chapter 5. And if you remember, we considered a few weeks back, a couple weeks back, the phrase we found in Galatians 5, 7, where he says, Ye did run well, but who did hinder you? Uh, you remember that phrase in verse number 7 we looked at a few weeks ago? Do you remember that phrase? Two of you? All right, the rest of you, I'm going I'm to re-preach that message next Wednesday uh, since you don't remember. But uh, we did go over that phrase and uh, we looked at some hindrances that could happen to our race. Now we know there are many hindrances other than the ones we looked at. We know that Satan will hinder us with his wiles, all right, the wiles of the devil, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. We know that. We also know that sin can be a hindrance in our life and its destruction and consequences that it can cause. We know that. But the ones we considered mainly when we thought of hindrances, we found in the context or immediate context of Galatians chapter number 5. And we considered this. We considered this hindrance of disobedience to the truth. 
And then we consider the hindrance of false doctrine. Then we consider the hindrance of division because, again, of the false doctrine. And then we consider the hindrance of devouring one another, biting one another, and devouring one another, being consumed one of another. That's a big hindrance, no doubt, to the fellowship of believers and to our race. But it would seem, as we considered those, it would seem that the book of Galatians as a whole, this was taking place. It would take in place in these churches in the lives of these believers in this area of Galatia. And it would seem that they were being hindered in their race. But what was the answer to all this? Uh, what was the answer to the hindrances they were facing? Uh, what can help us, as we consider them and apply it to our life, what can help us to combat the hindrances that we do face from time to time? Well, uh, last Wednesday we began to look at that. We began to look at things that can combat against the hindrances that we face in our life. And the one we looked at last Wednesday was this. What, was the, uh, uh, what, what is one thing we could use to combat this hindrance? What can we do? We can serve one another. That's right. We can serve one another. The Bible says this again in verse 13, Galatians 5. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So we serve one another. That's how you can overcome these hindrances. That's how we can overcome some of these things, by serving one another. I guarantee you, if you serve one another, ye ain't going to be biting each other. You won't be devouring each other. If we serve one another, division will not be taking place. This is one way to combat some of these hindrances. But serve one another. Do so willingly. As the Bible says here, do so lovingly. All right? Just as Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And give his life a ransom for many. So be like Jesus and serve one another. So that's what we looked at last Wednesday. But what's another uh, way we can combat some of these hindrances, some of these obstacles in our race that we face? Okay, here's another one. Let's look at this evening at this one. So first we saw serve one another, willingly serve one another. And then I want to see this, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. That's how we can combat some of these hindrances we face in our life. So let's look at it in Galatians chapter 5. And let's start in verse number 16. We'll read down through the rest of the chapter. But the Bible says in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth, lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. That's a nasty list, by the way, which your flesh is capable of every single one of them. All right, let's read on. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you want to, you can put in the margin of your Bible there. It would be 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe. It's verses, no, let's see, 1 Corinthians 6, 
11, 12, 10, 11, 12, something like that, all right? Uh, that's where he talks about the exact same thing, that those that commit such things uh, should not inherit the kingdom of God. But read that if you'd like to uh, on your own time, all right? Verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So how can we overcome some of these hindrances to our race? Walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege to study the Word of God. And I pray you should help us to take hold of it tonight. And especially this wonderful truth and principle we find commanded to us in Scripture to walk in the Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I want all of us to know from the very get-go of this message that walking in the Spirit will combat any and all hindrances, distractions, divisions, devourings, or whatever it may be that we face in, from time to time. It can combat those things and more. Do you know that? But why do you think I say that? Well, because listen, when you walk in the Spirit, do you know who you're behaving like, acting like, and becoming more like when we walk in the Spirit? We become more and act like more and behave like more, more like Jesus. That's why. Therefore, when we're more like Jesus, we will serve one another, willingly, lovingly. When we're more like Jesus, we will not bite and devour one another. When we're more like Jesus, we'll be quick to obey the truth of the Word of God. We will not put up with false doctrine. We will not put up with these things that can hinder us in our race. When we are more like Jesus. So as we start this message this evening, I'm, trying, I'm really beginning at the end of it and encouraging us all at the, at, the, at the beginning, which should be at the end, just to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. But we're not just done yet, all right? Many of you are thinking you've already finished. We're just praying get out of here. Okay, give me a few more minutes, all right? We're not done just yet. There's still some things I'd like for us to look at in Galatians chapter 5 here, especially verse number, seven, um, verse number 16 of walking in the Spirit. Uh, there's four, four points uh, of this. We're only going to get to the first one tonight because I want to rush through it too fast. Uh, but the, the four points, if you'd like to write them down, are this about walking in the Spirit. All right, number one, the command. Uh, number two, the conflict. Number three, the crop or fruit. Yes, I have to alliterate. I am a Baptist preacher after all, all right? And lastly, the conclusion of it all. Uh, but we will consider all these points, but the first one we're going to consider is this. Number one, the command of walking in the Spirit. Look again at verse number 16. This I say then, Paul speaking, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is, listen, this is a command from Paul. It's a command from the Scripture. Now, as Paul is writing to these Galatians, understand something. He is not suggesting that they just pray about this. Right? He is not suggesting that they at least consider walking in the Spirit. He's not suggesting that 
they do a little bit better than they have been. He is not asking them to um, adjust what they've been doing or adjust their walk in one form or another. No, Paul is commanding these believers to walk in the Spirit. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. It's a command. Now notice this first phrase when he says, this I say then. Uh, as I read this, it kind of has the uh, understanding to me at least where uh, it seems like, um, uh, how, do, how do I illustrate this? It would be like a parent, I guess, who would sit down, two siblings who've been fussing and fighting. Who here has siblings? All right, did you ever fuss or fight with your siblings? You guys are perfect angels, never, not one time. I got it, all right. Um, you must be the oldest then, okay, yeah. But, uh, but it's like you put down two siblings who've been fussing and fighting, and of course one sibling has a story, the other sibling has their side of the story, and somehow the oldest is always wrong, it's blamed because the baby gets away with everything. But the parent separates the two squabbling siblings and finally just lays down the law between the two and says... I do not care what you have done, and I do not care what you have done. This is how it's going to be. Your parents ever say that? Or as a parent, you ever said that? <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you said. Here's what's going to happen, all right? That's kind of what I'm seeing here, or at least kind of what um, I, I kind of understand as I see this phrase when Paul says this, this I say then. That's kind of the impression I'm getting as Paul is writing to these Galatian believers. And I say that because Paul is pointing back, right? He's pointing back to what the Galatians had been doing. Remember, they've been disobeying. They've been fussing. They've been squabbling. They've been fighting. There's some divisions that are beginning to creep up because of the false doctrine of these Judaizers. And they began to bite and pick and begin to devour one another because, again, of the Judaizers and false teaching. But he's pointing back to what's been going on of all of that and more and gives his answer to it all. He lays down the law, so to speak, if I can say it that way. He says, this I say then. I'm tired of what you're talking about, tired of hearing this. This is what I'm going to tell you to do. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And he's, again, he's not asking them, he's not recommending this to them, he's not leaving it up to debate or questions. No, no, he is commanding them to do so, especially if they don't want the race to be hindered. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now this word walk here, as uh, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit, means more than just an active motion of moving forward, okay? We know what it means to walk moving forward, foot one foot in front of the other, but it has more than just that. It doesn't mean just, that's more to it, all right? Uh, this word has more along the lines of this, how to conduct oneself, uh, how to behave oneself. Uh, listen, it means this, how to live, how to live. And as believers, we are to live our lives by the Spirit. We're to live our lives being led of the Holy Spirit of God. We live our lives being led of, of the Lord. And this life for the believer, this type of living for the believer, again, it's not a suggestion. It's not a good thought. And it's not for some super Christian, level 50 Christian, whatever that is anyway. No, no. It's a command from the Lord to every single believer to be led 
live their life led of the Lord. It's a command. Sounds kind of serious, does it not? When you put things in perspective that this is how God expects me and commands me to live, being led of God himself. Sounds serious, doesn't it? It's because it is. <laughs> it is serious. And I'd say we have no problem believing that it would be a serious thing. I have, I'd say we have no problem believing that we should all live our lives being led of, of the Lord. Would everybody agree to that this evening? All right. We would say yes to that. So since we would agree we should be led of the Lord as believers, we should live in, in complete obedience and yielded to the Holy Spirit of God that dwells and lives in us, then how do we do that? How do we Walk in the Spirit. How are we led by the Spirit? How do we do this? Well, it's not by what some people would suggest, by being led of the Spirit, being slain in the Spirit, falling on the ground, flopping around like a fish, saying, I'm led of the Spirit. If you see that, just walk away, all right? Just walk away and hand them the book of Galatians and... And walk away. Being led of the Spirit does not mean you're speaking in some unknown tongue that no one knows and sounding like a blag- blabbering ignoramus. <laughs> That's not it. That's not it at all. Really, all those things are, it seems to me, just before a show. And uh, they're just trying to impress people. I don't know what they're doing, but they just haven't been reading their Bibles, I guess. But that's not what it means to walk in the Spirit. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? That would be a great question to have. I've had it myself. I've had it myself. What does that mean, Lord? I want to. I have a great desire to walk in the Spirit. I have a great desire for God to lead me. What does that entail? What do I need to do to make sure I'm doing that? What does that even, even mean? And as we consider this, what it means, uh, we're going to have to take some uh, take something on our part. And you may say, well, well, well what is that, preacher? What, what is it going to take on our part? Well, I'm going to ask you to do this on our part, including myself. I'm going to ask you to commit yourself, all right? So it's going to take a little commitment. But you, may, you say, well, commitment to what? Well, all right, here it is. Here's how we walk in the Spirit. Ready? Commit yourself to prayer. <laughs> when it talks about walking in the Spirit, it's not some mystical thing. It's not something way out in the sky hoping you can do it one day. No, no, it's, it's very practical and simple. Commit yourself to prayer. Let me ask you a question. Do you think we could ever walk in the Spirit if we are never going to God in prayer? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Listen, prayer is not just some spiritual exercise, not just something we would do at church, not just something we, we add to the schedule uh, in, 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 in the mornings before we, before we have service or at the end of service or at the, towards the end of the midweek service. It's not just something we add to it. No, it shouldn't be something we do as a spiritual exercise. It should be part of who we are and part of our life of spending time with God. For this is how we communicate with the Lord. This is how we commune with our great God. You know, it's interesting to me that as you study the life of the disciples, you see that they wanted to learn more about this as they watched Christ. They want to learn more, not about His preaching, though I would love to learn more of His preaching, how He preached and hear Him preach, right? Literally hear Him 
I mean, that would be amazing. They, they heard it. And many people heard it. And even the people that did hear him preach said, Oh, never a man spake like this man. No doubt he could preach, right? But that's not what they wanted to know more about, to have the Lord teach them more to do. And no doubt the Lord healed many people, but that's not something they asked or requested from the Lord to, Lord, teach us how to heal people. That's not what they asked. Their request that they wanted to know from the Lord was this. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The disciples, they watched Jesus pray. They heard him pray. They saw him commune with the Father and the tenderness and the joy and the realness of it all. And guess what? They wanted the same thing. They wanted to know how to do the same thing. That's what they wanted. And if we're ever going to be in tune with God, if we're ever going to get plugged in, if I can say it that way, with the Lord, we must be people in prayer, if you want to walk in the Spirit, pray. Commune with God through prayer. How else, can we, how else can we be led of the Spirit? What else do we need to be committed to? All right, pray. And then this, be committed to the Word of God. Again, let me ask you the same question I asked you earlier. Do you think we could ever walk in the Spirit if we are never in God's Word? Negative, not going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely not. Understand when it comes to being led of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, the Bible and the Holy Spirit are not contrary one to another. Uh, no, they're not, they're not in competition. Not at all. I've, I've heard this phrase before, not here, but I've heard people say this before. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I know, I know what the Spirit uh, spoke to me about. It may have been spirit, spirit all right, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, that's just scary. Somebody says that to you as well, run away and um, pray for them, I guess, but whatever. But that's just wrong, all right? They're not, in, not contrary one to another, not at all. It's interesting when you see in the context of John chapter 6, verse 41 through 71, when Jesus was preaching to the Jews, as well as everyone else who was in the synagogue around that time, as he was preaching to them, he was comparing the manna from heaven that the Hebrews were given to sustain their life as they wandered throughout the, uh, the, the desert uh, there. He was comparing that to, to himself. And he made this statement. He said, I am the bread, that bread of life. He was saying, listen, I know that this manna that they had sustained their, their physical life, but, but I'm not here as a bread of life to give that temporal, mortal life that the manna gave. Rather, he was come to give eternal life. That's what Jesus would provide if they'd only believe on him. But after that sermon, the Jews began to murmur, right? Shocker, I know, they did it all the time. They began to murmur against the Lord. And the disciples were also confused, began to wonder at the words that he spoke. But Jesus made it clear when he said this. In John chapter 6, verse 63, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they, the words, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus was comparing the two and letting them know that the spirit and the word are not separate from each other. They go hand in hand. Besides, it's the spirit of God that will move the writers of scripture, the human penmen, to pen the words of this 
Bible. Therefore, it is Holy Spirit inspired. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Again, 2 Peter 1.21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Listen, this is God's book. Uh, this, this is a God-breathed book. It's God-spirited, all right? And the Spirit and the Word go hand in hand. Can't separate the two. So how do we expect to walk in the Spirit if we're not in the Bible? Reading for ourselves, studying for ourselves. Let me ask you, are you in it? Do you spend time on a regular basis in the Word of God? And when you do... It's not just a checklist, all right? I want to encourage you to, what you've read, to meditate, meditate upon. Do you remember what the psalmist said about the blessed man in uh, Psalm 1? The Bible says this in Psalm 1, verse 2, about the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, the Bible, in his law, doth he meditate day and night. Do you know what meditate means? It means to dwell on something, to dwell on something in thought, to contemplate, to study, to turn or revolve any subject in the mind. Simply put, here's what meditation is. It is this, what we think about, what we think about. Too many times we allow our meditation to be this, the worry of tomorrow, the worry of this week, the worry of this weekend, the worry of this year. Many times, who here does that besides me? All right, I'm glad I'm not alone. We allow our mind to be consumed with those worries and anxieties, and that's what we think about, that's what we meditate upon. But here's what we need to do. We need to think upon, meditate upon the Word of God. That's what we need to do. All I'm trying to say is this this evening. If we're, going, if we're not going to be, rather, if we're not going to be in the Word of God, it's impossible to walk in the Spirit. So commit to pray. Commit to the Word of God. And then do this. Commit, lastly, to obedience. Obedience. When it comes to the Bible, to reading, to meditating, and more, when it comes to Scripture, this is where the rubber meets the road. We've talked about this before, but it makes all the difference in the world. And really, it'll make all the difference in your life is when we obey the Bible. James 1, verse 22 through 25. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself... Goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, again, referencing the Bible, and continueth he therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So it's simple. If we obey Scripture, we will be walking in the Spirit. But if not, we will be walking in the Spirit. The flesh. And the Bible says earlier as we read it, these are contrary one to another. Walking in our flesh, walking in our own wisdom. And if we walk in our flesh and our own wisdom, we will reap the crop or the fruit of that flesh, which we'll see next time. But for today, just know walking in the Spirit is not a mystical thing. It's really not. 
It's not mystical thing. It's not for some super spiritual person, whatever a super spiritual person is. I never met one. I don't know what that is, all right? But whatever that is, it's not just for them. It's not, it's not for that. It's for all of God's people, and it's commanded for us to do, to walk in the Spirit. So if we will commit to these things, praying, being in the Bible, obeying the Word of God, I believe, I believe we will see ourselves being believers who are walking in the Spirit. And guess what? When we walk in the Spirit, do you know what we will find? We will find that divisions will be less. We will find that devouring and picking and bickering one to another will be much less. You will find that your obedience to Scripture and to the Lord will be increased. And a lot of these self-inflicted hindrances will begin to wane. So make that commitment. Make that commitment. Choose a time every day when you're going to meet with God to pray, to get in the Bible. Because listen, if we commit, commit these things for our lives, it will change the way we live. Because again, walking, that's living in the Spirit. You know, Throughout our day, there's many parts of our day that we commit to, right? Who here committed to get up on time to go to work? You know what happens if you don't commit on time to go to work? You don't have a job, so you make commitment, right? <laughs> you commit to go to work. Anybody had doctor's appointments this week? All right, a few of you. You committed a part of your day to go to that doctor's appointment, right? Because you need to find out what's going on, just a simple checkup, right? We commit certain things throughout our day, uh, specifically to these events in our life. We commit these things. How much more do we need to say, commit a time or some time with God each day? Just commit it. Just make time for it. Rather, take time for it. We can't make time. We're not God. We can surely take time out of our day that God has given to us just to spend time with Him. I like what one pastor said about this. When it comes to meeting with the Lord, he said this. He said, choose a place to meet with God. Somewhere we can just get along with the Lord. Closet, basement, bathroom, she shed, whatever, all right? Choose a place. Then choose a plan. Choose a plan to meet with God. And in that plan, he's talking about having a, a reading plan or, or, or a Bible reading plan, if you will, or a devotional type of plan. You can begin in the Old Testament or the New Testament or take a chapter from both. You begin in Proverbs, begin in the Psalms, but do something. And you don't have to, listen, you don't have to read 3, 5, 10, 20 chapters at a time. Some folks get overwhelmed with the Bible. There's so many chapters, so many books and so many verses, it's impossible to read it all. No, it's not. You just got to make the time, take the time to do so. It may just be a few verses at a time. That's fine, but just, just do it. I like what Spurgeon said on this matter when it comes to taking, uh, taking time to engross himself into the Scripture. He said this. He said, I'd rather cleanse my soul in several verses then wash my hands in several chapters. He's saying, look, if you, if you get three or four or five or six verses at a time, but you get more out of those three or four or five or six verses than you do out of three or four or five or six chapters, that's much better. That's much better. Just get in the Word of God. Choose a place. Choose a plan. And just go with it. And as we do, as we commit ourselves to do these things, guess what happens? We will begin to walk in spirit and continue to do so. So why is it so important as Paul is addressing these 
these Galatian believers, why is it so important? He starts out this way by giving them a command when he says, walk in the Spirit. Why is it so important? Because main point number two, conflict. And we'll see that next time. There is a conflict between the Spirit and the flesh. And you're going to obey one of the two. There's no third option there. It's not a little bit of the Spirit, a little bit of the flesh. No, no, no. It's one or the other. There's a great conflict. And every single one of us, even those level 50 super Christians, deal with this. All right? And we'll see it next time. But that's why it's so important to obey the command of 